I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 18. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all and those who live should no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you, Jake. I need to make you aware, and and I would appreciate you taking a minute to open your Bibles if you don't have one with you today or if it's on your phone, um, to open up there to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll be kind of coming back and forth to there all day, and I I want you to be able to look at it and not be dependent on what's on the screen. Uh, Before I begin the sermon this morning, I need to make you aware that um, I will not be here for the next couple of weeks. In fact, the better part of three weeks, I'm going to be out of the country. Um, Next week, Peter will be preaching, and the week after that, you can look forward to Charles Mickey bringing the message on the 1st, and I'll be back on the 8th to preach uh, when when my trip is done. If you have never heard of Let's Start Talking, um, it's a ministry that's been around from the late 80s. In reality, probably got its main start uh, after the fall of the Iron Curtain, and those countries opened up for more uh, open evangelism for Christianity. Uh, some people thought that uh, one of the ways that we could do that would be to leverage the fact that, and again, it was particularly true in that part of the world, but um, whether, whether it's a good thing or not, all over the world there is a desire to be able to speak English and to speak English well. And the best way to learn to speak English is not to learn it in a classroom by someone who grew up as, a, as knowing Chinese, meaning a, a, a Chinese national who learns English and teaches English, the very best way to learn English is to hear it from an English speaker. Does that make sense? And so a uh, process began, and this has now populated all over the world. Let's Start Talking goes to China. Let's Start Talking goes to some pretty hotbed kind of places like Libya. Um, and different places where uh, things are a little more tense as far as Christianity is concerned. But what you do is say the church there or some organization will advertise English lessons or improve your English learning from an English speaker. And so you come, they make appointments, and they show up, and what you wind up doing is reading. And uh, if you remember, a few years ago we started something called Friendspeak, which was an English second language, again, learn better English. It leverages the text, many texts from the Gospel of Luke initially. Um, you can, they have books that move on to the book of Acts and uh, back to John again in a different perspective on the life of Christ. And bottom line is people come and you interact with them. You read, you do honor that they are there to learn English, but you also are planting some seeds of the gospel. In reality, uh, since the 80s, many, many people have come to know Christ, and the church has really been built up a lot because of folks that have first heard the gospel through this process. I am heading to Buenos Aires, um, Buenos Aires, Argentina, 
got some great connections, going to make overnight flights and arrive in the morning and get started the next day of, of reading in a church there in Buenos Aires that's been established for a long time. The reason I'm going to Buenos Aires is I reached out to the Let's Start Talking people and said, I want to see how this is done well. I want you to send me with an experienced team and go to an experienced church and see how it works well. Because I want to be a trailblazer. I want to be the first fruits from this congregation. And I want to envision a future where maybe... Maybe as often as every year, there are three, four, five, or six of us that go and do Let's Start Talking missions, maybe around the world, but I want to say particularly. Uh, I hope you've been paying attention for the last few years. We have got a really great mission effort going on in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Joaquin Reyes is doing a great work there. He's planting churches nearly every year. There's a new part of town that they've planted a new church in. And I would like for us to make... In reality, a relatively inexpensive trip to the Dominican Republic, stay in a relatively inexpensive place of the world to stay, and to benefit his work in the kingdom and our opportunity to participate in that process. You may have questions today about it, and that's fine, but please don't ask too many today because this is my first time, and they're doing a great job of training, but I'll have a whole lot more to say when I get back. I solicit your prayers. Um, if God takes you someplace, I have to believe that any kind of little hurdles you have to cross to get there is part of what he's preparing you for. But particularly pray for my experience, for those people who are going to come here, uh, everyone who's going to be reading with our team, uh, that the seeds of the gospel will be planted. But again, already begin in your hearts, kind of envisioning, would this be something that God could use me to do? And could it be something that lets us help a missionary like Joaquin in the Dominican Republic, but in reality, missionary anywhere in the world? So I solicit your prayers for that and looking forward to good things happening. I've, again, already had lots of interactions both with the people in Argentina and uh, my partner from uh, Oregon at this point, but um, looking forward to that trip. I want you to also know, and I'm looking forward to this, on my way home, because I'm all the way down there, I'm going to take a quick two-hour flight up to see uh, Lindsay Phillips, who's in Porto Alegre, Brazil, and I'll get to spend, uh, in reality, 36 hours with her, but um, ultimately just 36 hours, because I wanted to be back with you, amen? <laughs> and you can translate that to, I really want to get back to... Very good. You know where you're going. Okay. It was kind of hard to get up to preach this morning because I kind of like sitting next to her because I'm not going to get to do it for a little while. Leave on Tuesday. Your prayers are solicited. Jesus loved to tell stories. One of the lessons, actually multiple of the lessons in Luke that we'll be reading through with our readers will be the parables, stories that Jesus told. It seemed that there were concepts that were too big, we could even say too wonderful, for people to understand if he told them the way they happened. And most of them, most of the parables, center around the idea, the kingdom of heaven is like. What is it going to be like when God makes everything come together exactly the way he wants it to be? And that is hard to grasp. Somebody say amen. 
I say hard to grasp except for this one thing. We know we'll be with God and we know we'll be with Jesus. And somebody say amen to that. But the particulars are hard. And particularly hard is how do you describe the way kingdom of heaven comes to earth? As we live in this time between the resurrection of Jesus and his coming again to make all things new. And so Jesus told stories. One of the ones that he told. And in reality, this one shows up in each of the Gospels. And it shows up very early in the ministry of Jesus as if it was trying to establish something different is happening. Not just something different will happen, but something different is happening. Something new that will be hard to be prepared for. It's short and simple. You may have already guessed what it is. This version is from Mark chapter 2. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If they do, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And people do not pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, in the same way that they put old cloth on an old garment or new cloth on a new garment, in that same way they pour new wine into new wineskins. Why don't you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day, for your love and for the way that you've poured that love into our lives. And we see it kind of coming forth in the grass that's becoming greener again and the way that buds and blooms are coming out we're blessed by that all pointing to the greater reality of your new creation father it's it's our our hope that your spirit would come and that our lives would be open to the molding of your spirit that our lives would be like that new new wineskin so that we can take the new wine of your spirit into our lives and so that we can be prepared for the way that you're going to bring new things, new creation, into this world right now. We ask that you would speak to us through your word and through, our wor through my words. And that in hearing your word, we would not let it just simply bounce off, but that we would bring it in and it would become a seed that while starting small may grow into what you want it to be. So we say, come Holy Spirit. We ask that you would change us into what you want us to be. And it's in your son's name that we all pray together. And the whole church says. You got to hear it twice today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Again, I hope your thumb, your phone, whatever is there on that page. You are, this is an emphatic statement, you are new creation. That new creation comes about because you've participated in, in replicating Jesus' death and burial and resurrection through the waters of baptism. That new creation comes because you're no longer filled with the spirit of this age. You're no longer centered on the things of the flesh. You're centered on the things of the spirit. The filling of the spirit comes... Your sin is gone, and our lives are changed. We are new creation. We are a vessel 
Again, Paul in this same book will talk about the fact that God's treasure, this new creation, is still held in, in broken vessels. That, that we're, we're, our flesh and blood is, is very, very flawed, but what is within us, what God has planted within us, is the seed of His Spirit and His life, and ultimately will live into His great new creation. We live in that time of the yes, new creation, but the not yet fully revealed time. A vessel prepared to receive things that in reality our flesh alone cannot contain. Our old life based on the flesh and based on in reality living in the culture that we're in can't contain the things that God wants to do, can't contain the forgiveness that we have in Christ, can't contain the spirit, the spirit of power that he has placed in us. In Ephesians, Paul will say that the power that he's put into us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so there's something that cannot be contained in our natural selves. Instead, he says, and again, this is key, it's not just that you will be new creation, but that you are new creation. And understand that that affirmation that you are new creation is based on the reality, the fact. Not just some spiritual principle that we talk to, but the historic fact. Okay, I'm just, I can't do anymore. Callan is holding his new baby brother during the service, and I... I <laughs> I don't know that a year from now you would have been responsible enough to do that. And here we are, new creation all over the place. The new creation is based on the reality, the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so as much as that is fact, the fact that a new creation has happened, again, starting with our baptism, starting with the filling of the Spirit, is with us now and continues with us. Now, is it everything it will be? And I, I would say that the answer to that is, no, it's not everything it will be. But it is a present reality. I am hoping that the Amber Alert says that they've found that young lady. Y'all all got an Amber Alert. We don't know. Okay, you're not looking. Have we been distracted enough today? Or... But this language also takes us back to the stories at the beginning. The language that was intended as the initial creation. See, in the beginning God created. And in that idea, you are new creation. That same word, new creation and God creating, are kind of parallel words. They work together and I think they point it. And God saw it all. And He said it was good. It was very good when God saw it. And I think in a very powerful way. I don't know if you ever imagine that moment. Genesis chapter 1. God steps back and he sees it all and he says, Wow, was the word in our Bible class this morning. But in a powerful way, when Jesus sees you come up out of the waters of baptism, when Jesus imparts that sense of the Holy Spirit coming into you in a new and different way, and in every day of your life, when you live into that new creation and that new spirit, Jesus steps back and he says, Wow! Because you are participating 
in what God intended from absolutely the very beginning. God is the one who brings it. It can't come from anywhere else. If it is creation, He is the only one that can make it happen. You can gin it up all you want to, trying so hard. I'm going to try a little harder, God, but you won't get there. I need you. Wasn't that a great song? I run into your arms. I run into your arms. That's the source of new creation. But not only does it look back, Jesus knew that that idea, Paul knew that that idea of new creation also pointed forward. Now my citation in this next slide is from Isaiah. Look, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth. Isaiah was one of the most powerful, most wonderful, most blessed prophets that we have. When we read Isaiah, we read into the times of his day. We read into uh, 200 years after he lived. But there's so many ways in which Isaiah points over his time to the time of Jesus. And as he concludes his words, 65 and 66 are just full of this language that point to something that it starts with Jesus and is going to be fulfilled when Jesus comes again. And this language, from Isaiah even, Paul refers back to and says, God is going to create again. The words from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 are, are very interesting. The old has come... Old is gone, and in your translation, in the NIV, it says the new has come. But in reality, the, the grammar there of the original language not only affirms the idea that new has come, but in reality, it's saying the broken, the old, that is to say who we used to be, is being changed into, is being made into, same words from the creation story, is being made into God's new creation. God created once at the very beginning. God stepped into a broken creation through Jesus Christ. And He has this process. He wants to take this broken world that our sin broke. Please don't point at Abraham, at, Abraham, at Adam and Eve and say it's their fault because sin is all of our fault. Amen? But it is His intention, having created once and all to come together into His great wow, that through Jesus breaking into the brokenness of, sin, of a sinful world, He wants to point us towards a whole, a peace, a completeness, a new creation made from the old that looks like the very beginning. New creation in me. Can you say that with me? New creation in me. One more time. Let's, let's say it with conviction. New creation in me. Now that doesn't mean that we weren't broken. And particularly that doesn't mean that we somehow or another have repaired ourselves. I'm really thankful Jeff's lotion is working. Somebody say amen. I really don't want it to get stuck there, Jeff. I'm just telling you right now. 
But with God, there is new creation. Something being made new. Brokenness that's being made whole. Taking us back to what God intended and putting us forward into what He wants to recreate. So what is living into new creation hope? What is it to live with that affirmation that you all just made? I am new creation. What is it to live into that? First of all, it has to be, and I want to come back to this, God's work based on what Jesus has done by means of the Holy Spirit is creating something that in us that is recreated. Who's at work here? Who is the primary engine? Who is the primary maker? The answer is God. God, based on what Jesus did and His death, burial, and resurrection, and based on the reality that Jesus said, I'll send my Spirit to fill you up, a part of heaven, a part of God Himself that lives with us and is transforming us. We can't cause it. But this is important. We can resist it. We can say, yes, I want your forgiveness. Yes, fill me with your Spirit. But then turn around and become, remember that first parable? Become that mixture of old and new. We let the old hang around and we don't let God's transforming power do its work. We must first of all recognize its source and then we must say yes. You can't do it of your own accord, but we do need to have that invitational yes. It is not particularly that God is just repairing something. God isn't just taking some nails and putting some old boards back in place and screwing them in. God, just like He did from the... Remember how that first story goes? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was like, God says, I want to I speak into your life. A new creation. Secondly... We are called to live into what God originally purposed back at the very beginning, but also to live towards Christ's return. Remember what Isaiah said? I'm making a new heaven and a new earth. And we get to live in such a way that says, I recognize where you started and I recognize that you want to bring that back to reality, and I want to live into those two things. Very specifically, Jesus was very clear about this. If you want to live into new creation hope, love has to be at the very center of who you are and what you are. And I love the way Paul says it. Just before he talks about new creation, he says, we used to require Christ from a human point of view. We do so no longer. But in reality, he says, look at it in your text, we don't regard anyone, not just Christ, we don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Make no mistakes, regarding people from a worldly point of view is about the idea that people are simply here for me to take advantage of, for me to leverage for my benefit. 
for me to take from when I need it and push aside when I need it. And Jesus says you can't look at people that way anymore. Not if you're living into what I originally did and what is coming again. We cannot see people from that perspective. Can't just be others who love us back or people who look like us. And it particularly can't just be the people who know and follow Jesus. Everyone. If we're going to be people who live into new creation hope, we're also going to have to be those kinds of people who seek help for the helpless. Sent you out last week to buy groceries. Guess what? I don't know whether it was your groceries or not, but those groceries went out, not all of them. Phew. Um, many of them went out this week to help people have food on the table that wouldn't have had it there otherwise. I told you I'd refer to Haiti before I was done today. There's, there's a difficult mission there. Because it is a dark, broken, broken place. You'll hear more about it on March the 1st. But in reality, no matter how small the gain may be, and, and I'm going to go one step further. Forgive me for this. Even if there is no long-term gain that we get in that overall civilization, the fact that people come, the fact that there is food at their school provided for by people from, from primarily the U.S. who send their money to help with this, says where you are and the darkness of your world is not the last word. Somebody say amen. I think that's worth doing. We have to be a people. Did you hear the verse from Isaiah during the communion? Have to be a people who, who think about that peace that is where the, the carnivore and the, and the prey live together in peace. But more than that, it is that, that righteousness and justice come to all people. Again, particularly to people that cannot stand up for justice on their own. We work for their justice. Finally, to live in new creation hope means that biblical imagination becomes reality. Paul lived in a day where he said, you know, I know that Jews and Gentiles go, don't get along, but in reality, God has an imagination that we need to make a reality right here in our churches so that Jews and Gentiles can love each other. He said, you know, God has this imagination that says that that while slavery is, a, is something part of our culture in the church, no one will be considered a slave. And he wanted that imagination to become a reality. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus biblic with a biblical imagination of what God wants it to be, and he, every day, wherever he walked and whoever he interacted with, he made part of that biblical imagination a reality wherever he was. And we have the opportunity to do exactly the same thing. I want the invitation to be today to be from the words of Scripture. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Again, a division that divides heaven and earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully addressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the trump saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has completely passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, write it down. For these words are trustworthy and they are true. Won't you come? How can you wait? God doesn't want anyone to miss out. So come.